0: Hi everyone. Thank you for joining me on my podcast tonight. My name is Caitlin Eason and I am doing the ABC reflection number five on Fabian Doucette's article titled, What Does a Culturally Sustaining Learning Climate Look Like? This article was extremely insightful for me. I think it was probably one of my favorites that we've read so far because it was not only easy to read but it was stated in such a way that i felt like it was really made for teachers and teacher education programs like the one we're in at TWU and i think it gives us a lot of practical knowledge and strategies that we can use in the classroom and in our personal life to ensure that we are being more culturally attuned and sustaining our students cultural identities in the classroom So first off, um, Fabienne Doucette starts off by stating how important our perceptions are. Um, Our perceptions, our biases, and our attitudes are really powerful, and it determines how we see our students and how we treat our students. Um, Not only do these things affect how um, we see them in our minds, but it also affects how we treat them by actions in our classroom. She really goes in depth here with a lot of research and um, data about how children um, and their demographics in our classroom are changing. It's growing by diversity. It's no longer a um, minority mindset. They're more of a majority minority, as she stated on page 196. And since school is typically a lot of students first, experience with social institutions and how they see themselves in it, it's even more so important that teachers and teacher education programs have the proper training and knowledge and tools so we know how to support and empower our students to ensure that they have greater student success and success in life as they leave our schools. Um, I thought this was really important because everyone has attitudes and biases and perceptions of certain groups or certain people in their classroom or in life in general but it's important for us to be aware of those biases and perceptions and ensure that we try and break them down and dismantle them and work against it in a way to where we empower our students and give them a voice in the classroom Um, a lot of the times if we have negative perceptions about students whether they be immigrant students um, english language learners um, if they're children from a low socioeconomic status um, or s- students of color. A lot of the times um, in Dusette's article she's found that teachers will treat them negatively and not only does that hurt the teacher and the student but it hurts all the groups of the students and it hurts their community even further. Um, we have to be sure that we are taking the knowledge from her article and trying to build an inclusive classroom climate that sustains our students' um, identity and also helps support them academically. Um, In addition to this, we learn how um, emerging bilinguals and specifically students who are immigrants, they um, have an increased cognitive capacity. Um, and have higher executive functioning and working memory and a lot of skills that a lot of people typically do not um, know about or celebrate. A lot of the times immigrant and bilingual children um, are seen as having a deficit or disability. Um, but people don't take into account that the language barrier. So we have to be sure in our classrooms that we're using um, tools to assess our students and tools to monitor our students that are inclusive of other language. So we know that we're getting a accurate depiction of their abilities. Um, Doucette talks about the narrowed learning for ELLs and that's when their abilities are hindered. Um, I've seen that firsthand in um, classrooms at my school. Um, basically narrow learning experiences are linked to lower expectations of children's capabilities so if a student comes in speaking um, let's say Spanish for instance and they have not really been exposed to English a lot of the times teachers will see that as a deficit and see that they're not smart and they'll have lower expectations in the classroom of them and they'll have lower expectations socially of them and that ends up hurting them in the long run um, because students are usually put into a different classroom or maybe they're taken out of their friend group or maybe they um have to sit down for a long period of time and are asked to repeat things over and over which isn't really developmentally appropriate and it also doesn't really help them in the long run so we have to um, change our perception of students who are bilingual or immigrants and make sure that we're understanding that they have value and they are smart and they have the ability and the capabilities to do things. Um, And we shouldn't try and fix them by giving them English-only classrooms and asking them to assimilate to traditional American culture. Um, We should celebrate their bilingualism and give them opportunities to speak and share in their language, in their home language, and provide instructions and worksheets and all the um, activities in their language as well, especially as they're starting to learn English. Um, so basically, Doucette provides teachers um, two frameworks where or conceptual standpoints that guide her work and highlight what is necessary to build an inclusive classroom climate. So we talked about all the issues if we don't build an cl- um, inclusive classroom climate, but now she's telling us how we can fix it and what we can do to ensure that we're giving our students a fair chance. Um, First, she asserts that teachers must put into practice a humanizing pedagogy that recognizes the relationship between power and privilege in our country. So we know that language is linked to power, it's also linked to our identity, but it's super important for us as teachers to understand that symbolic relationship. Um, A lot of the times when students are bilingual or immigrant children, um, they're stripped away of their ethnic and cultural identities. This is why we really need to work against that and value and sustain our students' individual cultures and backgrounds and identities. And we can do this by um, giving our students a safe place, um, letting them share their voice, trying to link their home and culture, Um, also talking with their families. Getting families involved is really important. Um, giving them supports outside of the school to help them um, reach their potential. Maybe it could even be a family that they know in the school that's been there for a while and um, can help support them in any way. And also different services outside of school. And lastly, um, we really have to explain to parents that it really takes a village that our um Success and their student success is a partnership. We have to all work together. And also, it's important for us to model in the classroom the behaviors and um, the activities so students, even who speak a different language, can um, do the activities and complete them and hopefully make connections in the future. Um, also, Doucette um, tells us that we need to um, have the importance of a culturally sustaining pedagogy which means um, we not only involve our students who have different backgrounds, but we continue their um, home cultures and backgrounds in the school. So we can invite parents to come in um, and share about their culture, whether it be they cook a special meal that means a lot to them. They tell us about a holiday that they celebrate. Um, They come in and just share a book that they like in their language, Whatever it may be, um, I think that's important for us to not only show that we value them and welcome them, but we want to sustain their cultural identities. We don't want them to lose those unique um, experiences and abilities that they have. Um, These two guiding principles of a culturally sustaining pedagogy and a humanizing pedagogy are um, the principles that she kind of breaks down into six specific commitments in the article. basically to help prepare educators for sustaining a culturally sustaining classroom. Her first commitment is increasing knowledge about diversity. Her second commitment is building the classroom as a community of trust. Her third commitment is involving families and communities. Her fourth commitment is combating prejudice and discrimination and her fifth commitment is addressing diversity in its full complexity and the sixth and final commitment is promoting global perspectives and in each commitment she goes in depth about how we can um, combat these issues that we're facing in our diverse growing student population and how we as teachers can work to go against it and support our students um, basically, all of these six commitments go beyond the original CRP framework that we learned in the Ladson Billings article a couple weeks ago, and this focuses more on nurturing and valuing all of our students' individual differences to guarantee that both their academic success and identity are promoted all throughout school. So that will help prepare them to handle things outside of the classroom when they graduate. Um, Doucette obviously goes into detail about how we, um, as teachers, hold prejudice and beliefs and negative attitudes towards students who might be linguistically different, culturally or socioeconomically diverse. And these negative perceptions affects how we treat their students and it affects how well the school experience is for them. Um, That's why we really have to pay attention to our commitments and work to um, incorporate those in our classroom. Also. I plan to use her knowledge um, that Doucette provided with us into practice by creating a safe space for my students to share their voice. Um, And I also want to increase my own personal knowledge about diversity. This is something that um, I've been working on as I've become an adult and gotten into grad school and as I've been a teacher so far, um, because in school when I was in, you know, elementary, middle, and high school, I really didn't learn about diversity. It wasn't really celebrated and valued. Of course, there were certain months where we celebrated, like National Hispanic Month or Black History Month, but it wasn't enough. I didn't get a lot out of it. So as a teacher now, I realize the importance of that for my students, and I want to give them the tools to understand that race, race relations in the United States um, are very complex and we have to talk about them openly and discuss them respectfully with one another. And we have to, as teachers, provide our students with the knowledge about these issues in our country and abroad. Um, For the second commitment, build a classroom as a community of trust. I really want to make my classroom a safe and inclusive one and build relationships with my students and try and work on trust with them Uh, a lot of the times when students come in especially if they might be immigrant students or emerging bilinguals it can be difficult for them to um, communicate or it can be difficult for them to open up about their experiences because they might feel different so I want to encourage them that they're not different and I want to be kind and understanding and welcoming to them and encourage them to have discussions not only with me but also with their classmates and this also involves a family too um the third commitment involving families and communities um like i said before and earlier in this podcast i think um education is really a partnership i kind of have the belief of it takes a village and i think we as teachers need to have a genuine interest in our students and their families and come from a place um of kindness and belonging and make sure that we Um, build relationships with our families and ask them questions, give out parent surveys to see where we might need to improve upon. Um, Also have regular parent teacher conferences to talk about the great things that have been going on and the weaknesses in their children. And then also maybe pairing students families with um, a model family or a family that they can work with and talk to if they ever have questions. Um, basically I just want to respect my families and understand that they have funds and knowledge like um, you said, mentioned on page 199 um, the commitment four is combat prejudice and discrimination I it's not enough to be just okay with things in our country we really have to work to be an anti-racist and this means explicitly teaching our children in our classroom about prejudice and discrimination and how it has been operating in our world and letting them openly and critically discuss these issues. Um, I have to be knowledgeable about things and I have to bring to light the issues and we as a classroom community can work together to resolve them, not only in our classroom but in their students' personal lives in my life as well. Um, commitment five is addressing diversity in its full complexity. So. This really means understanding the intersectionality or the idea that many strands of people's identities operate and connect in different ways, as stated on page 199 by Doucette. Um We can't just ignore how these things are connected and the complexity between them. Um, we have to notice these complexities and engage our students to reflect on their own identity and reflect on our own identity as teachers and work to see how we as individuals are multidimensional, and we can't just label our students as bilingual or poor or smart or athletic. Um, they're much more than that and we have to treat them as such. Um, commitment, let's see commitment six is promote global perspectives. This is something that, um, I've been trying to incorporate more. Um, actually last year in my pre-K classroom, we did pen pals across the world, which is something that Duset actually mentions on page 200. Um, we actually did that and, and we did it with, um, a family in Brazil and a family in the Czech Republic. And I actually have two students one that is actually from Brazil and speaks Spanish or Portuguese and then one from Czech Republic who speaks Czech and so that's why we chose to do that because those were two cultures we wanted to learn more about as a class and I wanted to learn more about as a teacher and it really helped our students to open up and expand their worldview even though they're really young they still liked looking on a globe and seeing where they were in relation to where we are in Texas And it also helped them to discover things that these people like to eat or these people might celebrate Um, and the differences and our similarities as well. Um, This can really help our students at every grade level to understand um, all the differences in our world and helps us to understand and kind of humanize people and not just perceive them as a certain label or a certain culture to really understand all the complexities and diversities between them. And it helps us to value and nurture their backgrounds. So basically, um, I learned a lot from this article, and I hope you all have learned a lot too from listening to the podcast and thinking of ways that you can incorporate culturally sustaining pedagogy in your own classroom or in your own life. And I want to leave you with a very inspiring quote that was placed in the article by Doucette. Um, it's on page 200. And um, I think this is really important to think about, especially in the moments that are we're going through right now in the United States with Black Lives Matter and, and even COVID. We, we really have to work to create a more um, inspiring, welcoming, um, inclusive world that nurtures all of our diverse backgrounds in our country um, so this is actually inspiring words of sweet honey in the rock and um, it, the quote is we who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes i thought that was really powerful and i wanted to end the um, podcast with that and i want you to think about how you and how i as a teacher can um work to create a free inclusive, welcoming, and culturally sustaining classroom. Thank you all for joining me. I hope you have a good rest of your night. Bye.